I'm going to do a, kind of an anniversary message here today, and um, I'm going to kind of dovetail it with the series that we've been in. Um, we've been in a series uh, called Well Played. So this is this is part series of a uh, part three of a series called Well Played. Of course, Well Played is if you're in a sport or you make a good move in a chess match or um, you have a good pickup line or you're in a debate, you know, and you make a good line. Sometimes someone say like, "Oh, well played," you know, "Well played," right there. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, basically the 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 what we're going for here is we want, what does a life well played look at, look like? What does a life well played look like? For you, that's going to be different than me, right? But there's a, there's a destiny, calling, purpose, plan that God has for you. And when we, when we live out that plan that God is, has for us, that is a life well played. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I get to heaven, I see Jesus for the first time um, with, with my eyes. I want to hear something along the lines of, well done, that good and faithful service. Or, or well, I don't know if he says well played, that'd be kind of funny. You know, well played. Okay, and I don't know about you, but I, I want to hear something like that. And of course, um, in this series, um, we're talking about, um, the, the Bible does talk about rewards in heaven. Of course, we know that um, heaven itself um, is not a reward for our good deeds and our good behavior. Heaven itself is, um, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, right? Not by works so that no one should boast. So we know that salvation, having a right and restored relationship with the Father, that is a free gift, okay? When you receive Jesus, you're heaven bound, and, and that's the end of the story there, okay? That is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. But the Bible does actually talk about um, when we have a life well played, there are things that go along with that in terms of rewards in heaven. Heavenly rewards is a biblical reality. And so that's some of what we're talking about um, here in this series. But I don't want you guys to confuse the two. I don't want us to have a uh, kind of a works mentality or, or work for God's love. Like he can't love you more. It doesn't matter if you did good today, bad today, he can't love you more, okay? So that's, that's, that's settled, that's done. Like, you, you, we don't work for sonship, or we don't try to work hard to be sons and daughters. That's a done deal. But when we live out the calling that God has for us, when we live out the life he's marked out for us, there actually is a reward connected to that in heaven. So we've been talking about that in this series. Uh, what does a life well played look like? Today I'm going to read, uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter uh, 5, verses 14 through 16. And uh, I'll just read it, okay. Now, um, I want you to repeat the first word, you. Everyone say you. You. You are the light of the world. Jesus is speaking here. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, everyone say your light. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your, everyone say your, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, notice who Jesus says the light actually, this is, this is like kind of crazy, but he actually says, who does the light belong to? He says, it's, it's your light, right? Of course, we know the only reason we have light is because he has light and he's given us his light, right? So, and on that note, every, anything and everything we ever do in life that's amazing, whatever, God gets all the glory. We don't touch the glory. We never touch the glory. It's always his. But Jesus so um, brings us close 
and puts his spirit within us that when we receive him, he literally doesn't say like, let my light shine through you. He literally says, this is your light now. Let your light shine to this world, okay? He so um, gives that to us that it becomes part of us. It becomes part of our identity now that we are light bearers, amen? And so Jesus, of course, is the light of the world. But once you receive Jesus, guess what? You have light within your heart, okay? Now light dwells within you. The title of my message today is called Own It. And my goal here today is to get you to actually own and take ownership of that light that God has given you within, with, that's within you, okay? And so many times I think we think of some sovereign move has to come in order for light to shine through me. And listen, I, I, that, that can be true, of course, but we know that God has put light in our hearts and he actually says there's ways for us to shine that light into this world, okay? I believe a life well played is someone who takes ownership of that light within them and shines into this world. We named um, this church, of course, City Lights Church. And, and why, did we, why did we pick that? And I said here at the beginning, more than anything, we wanted to be a place um, where God's presence dwelled by his spirit. And uh, because of that, we thought, like, there's actually a church in Nashville that we admire called The Belonging and we almost named the church the belonging because we like that, or the dwelling place because we thought we want God's presence to be here in a place of family, which are all high values for us. And uh, the feedback we'd had from people is like, well, the belonging kind of sounds like a cult. It's like, okay, we won't. <laughs> or like, seriously, like two out of like 10 people say, I don't know, it sounds like a cult, it's weird. So we couldn't have two out of 10 people in their city like thinking weird things about us. Although the belonging in Nashville is a great church and doing amazing. Um, but, and we also didn't want the name of our church to be something that was super, like, introspective. Like, we're just going to belong and come inward and, and look at each other and never care about the world around us, right? We actually wanted something that would convey, like, that we care about the world around us. We want to influence the world around us. And so, um, and actually, J.D., who's here on the second row, City Lights Church, it was, he was the original, like, that was the name that he came up with. And at first I was kind of like, eh, it's all right. You know, it's, it's pretty good. But, and then honestly, it kind of just grew, grew on us more and more because it communicates what we want to be as a church. We want to be lights in the city. We actually want you to be lights of the city, in this city. And so, um, gosh, where am I at? Okay, let me give you an example of this. Um, we wanted to name it something that we want to convey, something we want to do. An example of this is, if you're, if you're ever in a position to hire people, you want to give them a job title that um, fits the description of the, the thing you want them to do. Like, <laughs> because you want it to be clear what the job description is, and if you can lurk that into the title itself, it makes it really clear what that person should be doing. I'll give you an example of this. How many know there's a difference between the assistant regional manager <laughs> and the assistant to the regional manager, right? Very similar... Words, very close, very nuanced. But the assistant regional manager and the assistant to the regional manager are totally different roles, all right? If you've never watched The Office, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay? <coughs> but we wanted our name, City Lights Church, to be consistent um, with what we wanted to do here. And we want it to be a constant reminder of what we want to do in the city. And if we ever stray too far from that, it's like, oh, what are we supposed to do? Oh, we're City Lights Church. We're supposed to shine light in our city. So... Um, because our goal is not just to have church. Having church is good. Having church is important. This is really important that we do this. 
Having church is important, but becoming the church is more important, right? We didn't want to just have church. We wanted to become the church everywhere we go. You know, and there's this, um, there's this uh, I guess, statistic that's actually true. They say, I, I think it's 90% of people who come to faith in Jesus actually come to faith in this setting. They come, they're invited. There's, there's a presentation of the gospel, and they receive Jesus. And they say 90% of people in America who come to faith come to faith in that way, in a church. And I think that's awesome. And we, we preach the gospel every week. And we're going to continue to preach the gospel every week. And if you invite your friends, they're going to hear the gospel um, every week. But even though that is true, I actually feel like that's not supposed to be true. I feel like the way it's supposed to be is the, the majority of people are supposed to be getting saved outside of the four walls of the church. Because I'm not... I'm not the only one called to full-time ministry. We're all called to full-time ministry, right? Um, it's the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and evangelists who equip and edify the saints so that the saints, which is you, go do the work of the ministry, all right? So one of the things we want, want, want all of our congregants to know is how to lead people to Jesus, how to, how to pray for people, how to prophesy over people, right? And so we want to become the church everywhere we go. And so our goal was that you, you, as part of our church, would see yourselves as city lights, the light of the city or the light of this world. It's, of course, again, it's, of course, Jesus' light in us. We don't have light of ourselves, but he's given us his light, and now he says to take ownership of it. I want to talk about how to take ownership of shining. How do we take ownership of shining in this world in our lives? Point number one is turn the light on. Now listen, this is, this is going to be deep. If you own the light, you have the ability to turn the light on, and you have the ability to turn the light off, right? After service, we have a really cool gift for you guys. We have these uh, lanterns, and um, they have our logo on it. But check that out. Isn't that bright? And we have a gift for everyone here as you're leaving. It's a little lantern. I won't leave that on. Boom. Now listen, you're going to leave this place, you're going to get one of these, because we we want to give a gift to you. We also want to give a reminder to you, like to be the light of this city. But listen, this lamp, as soon as we, right now they belong to us, they belong to the church, in a few minutes they're not going to belong to us anymore. It's going to be your light. And I can't turn that light on for you, you can't turn that light, you can't turn my light on, You you will have control over your light. And so... You have to turn on, you have to wake up every morning and decide you're going to turn that light on. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, in other words, you are the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper of turning that light on and off. We can choose to hide that light, we can choose to let that light out. <laughs> A good example of this, um, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 29, Paul is giving instructions to the Corinthian church about how to have orderly worship. And he's speaking to people who have the gift of prophecy or prophets. Um, Those aren't necessarily synonymous, Never mind. But he's speaking to people who have the gift of prophecy. And he says, he's basically saying to them, you're the gatekeeper of this gift. There's a gift I've given you, but you're the gatekeeper of this gift. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 32. He says this, two or three prophets should speak and the other should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Verse 31, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, okay? In other words, what's happening, the revelation, the download, this person's getting in their spirit, 
Um, that, it's not like God's going to give you a download and all of a sudden, like, you can't control yourself and you start prophesying and I can't stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you have control, you can turn it on, you, control, you can turn it off. And he's saying, like, Paul's saying, okay, look, we want orderly worship. We want people prophesying. We want people encouraged. But, like, wait your turn, right? So, wait your turn. You can turn it on. You can turn it off, okay? Because everyone prophesying all at once is crazy. What's the point? The point is that, that they are the gatekeeper to turning that gift on and turning that gift off. Like, the download comes from heaven, but you can choose, like, when to say it and how to say it, right? God isn't taking, like, like omni-control over their mouth at that moment, okay? So pulling that illustration forward, we all have a gift within us, right? We all have a gift within us, and that's one of the ways we shine our light into this world. But we have to make the choice to turn that light on. We have to make a choice to engage that gift in the world around us. That God's not going to just take you and <laughs> start moving your mouth and making words come out. Like, he's going to give you an unction, and he's going to give you a leading, and you're going to have to step into it, okay? I know this is deep stuff. Um, but this is a good reminder for us, because personally, like, I'll be running to Lowe's or Home Depot, or I'm, I'm doing a project on the house. Something's broken in the house. I got a pipe broken. I got to get it fixed quick, you know? I'm in a hurry. Like, we're all busy doing things. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, like, if, if God speaks to me about someone, or if God shows me someone, or uh, shows me a way to, like, stop and care about one person, I have to, I have to um, make the decision to have divine interruptions in my life, right? I have to make the decision to let divine interruptions happen. When I'm, when I'm out running, like, I'm getting exercise, I don't like to stop and talk to people. If you see me running, wave at me, honk at me, I'll wave back, but let's, let's talk later, okay? <laughs> we'll talk later. But even on that, like, the Lord has, like, challenged me, like, if, you know, if I show you someone who I want to speak to, like, will, will you do it, you know? And then there's been times where I'll be running, I'll run past someone, and God's like, go tell them I love them, you know? Go tell them it's going to be okay, you know what I mean? And you have to be willing to let divine interruptions happen. That's a form of, like, turning the gift on, turning the gift off, amen? Okay, so realize you need to turn the light on. We're not, I can't come over and turn the light on for you. You have to wake up every morning and turn that light on yourself, okay? All right, so point number two, that was point number one. Point number two, how to take ownership of shining uh, is realize that light looks like something. Light looks like something, right? We see it with our eyes. Matthew chapter 5, 16, he says, let your light shine for others that they may, what? See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so notice the correlation between shining and their actions. Shining and good deeds, right? How many, how many of you know um, Heidi Baker? Ever heard of Heidi Baker? Awesome woman of God. She has this saying that I really love, and she, she says this, love looks like something. Love is tangible. Love looks like something. You can't just say, oh, I love whatever, and, and not have any action behind it. She says, love looks like something. And listen, love does look like something. Shining looks like something. It looks tangible. Love isn't just empty words, okay? Right? I mean, God loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't just sit back and say, I love them. They're perishing, but I'm not going to do anything about it, right? <laughs> They're lost. They're dying without me, but I'm not going to. No, he loved, and he could do something about it. Therefore, he did. He gave. Romans 5, uh, 6 through 8 says this. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, God demonstrated his love while we were separated from him, while we were still sinners, while we were technically separated enemies with God, he still died for us. He still reconciled us. All right, John, uh, John, 1 John 3, 17 through 18, it says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees their brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let us not with a love with words or speech, but with actions and with truth, okay? So realize that your, your shining light will look like something. It's something tangible. It's, it's, it's a word of kindness. It's a word of prayer. It's, it's helping someone. It's giving to someone. It's, it looks like something, okay? It looks like serving. It looks like giving. It looks like the people that were here last night, like serving their guts out, putting all this stuff up. Thank you, by the way, um, for, for helping with that. And, and, and you guys know in your own lives what that looks like. There's a, that's a tangible thing, okay? <clears throat> okay, so that's point number two. Point number three, this is my last one, how to take ownership of shining in your life. Point number three, this one will seem different, but point number three is allow God to love you. Allow God to love you. Shining, being a light in this world, is actually a product of a lot of things that are going on correctly in your heart. A lot of healthy things happening. Because how many know if you, if you feel like you need to shine to be good enough for God, or do good deeds or good merits, like you're, you're starting from a broken place. You're starting from a, a misunderstanding about God. But shining is a byproduct of knowing God, being loved by him, receiving his love, okay? This is super important. Otherwise, we get off track and we get into works mentalities, okay? Listen, if you're lousy at giving love, it might be because you're lousy at receiving love, okay? If you're like, I'm not good at giving love, maybe you're lousy at receiving love for yourself, okay? If you want to change the world with the love of Jesus, you have to be able to receive the love of Jesus for yourself. Every, come on, every day, right? <clears throat> and some of you, maybe you won't let God close because you're like, there's shame or there's something, I don't want him to see this, I don't want him to know this. But listen, when you bring that thing in the light and be like, God, I don't like this, I don't, it's ugly, I'm ashamed of it, but I, I need you to fix it, help me. You know what I mean? You're bringing it into the light and the light heals. Okay? So don't be ashamed of things. Bring, bring those things in the light and let God love on you. Let him... Um, heal you, okay? And I would add this to I would add this. Allow him to love you, but allow him to love you as a father. I think this is super important. Allow him to love you as a father. He's not, I don't know what your version or your idea of what a father is or a good father, but he's the most loving father you'll ever know. He's the best father you'll ever know. Some of us had great earthly fathers. Some of you had bad earthly fathers, examples. He's the most loving father you'll ever know. He's everything you've ever wanted in a father. And listen, God is a lot of things. We know that God is holy. We know that he's all powerful. We know that he's all knowing, right? We know he's present everywhere at once. We know that he's eternal. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the creator of everything, right? But there's actually one divine attribute that he can't, he doesn't need, any, he doesn't need us to be any of those things I just mentioned. Do you realize that? He's all powerful with or without you. He's all-knowing with or without you. He's ever at once with or without you. He's the creator of everything with or without you. There's one attribute that he can't be, and he needs us to be one, of, one attribute. Here it is. To be a father, he needs children. He needs children to be a father. You can't say, I'm a father and have no, and have like no children, right? So he, he actually 
needs us to display what it looks like to be a father to this world. Without children, you can't have fatherhood. At the core of God's heart, I think more than anything that God wanted to reveal of himself, he wanted to reveal himself as a loving father. Jesus, of course, came to do many things. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to save that which was lost. Um, He came to, to die for our sins. Lots of different things. One thing Jesus said, and I think this, everything is a sub point to this, is that Jesus came to reveal God as a father. And you can't fully see that picture in the Old Testament. Jesus came as a son to reveal what our heavenly father looks like. In order to do that, there had to be a son. There had to be, and now there has to be sons and daughters. Okay. If we get the revelation of a loving father, we will display, we will display that love genuinely to the world. We need to understand the love of God in order to display that love of God to the world. Uh, James chapter 1, 16 through 18, it says this. Um, do not deceive yourselves, my brethren. Uh, the NIV says, brothers and sisters. Verse 17, for every good, um, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. And it's talking about a father. How many know this is talking about, we're talking about a family here, right? There's brothers and sisters and a father, okay? Um, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Verse 18, of his own will he brought forth, um, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay, the Father, obviously in this, in this verse, is talking about Father God. Okay, in the context is family. But who are these lights that he's talking about? He's the Father of lights. And I don't want you to know this morning, he's talking about you and me. He's the father of lights, of many lights. Listen, if he was only the father of Jesus, he would have been the father of light. The father of the light, right? Jesus is the light of the world. But from foundations of the world, he wanted to display himself and reveal himself as the father of many lights, right? This is where you and I come into the picture. If it was just Jesus to be the father of light, but because we're all sons and daughters of the most high God, he's now revealing himself as the father of lights, and when we display the nature and character of this, of this father that we're talking about in this world, that is shining. If you can display the nature of character of God, the father, the loving father, who has compassion and sent his only, one and only son to this world, like that looks like something. That's shining, you guys. It's so important we get a revelation of who Papa is, who this loving father is. Otherwise, we're going to run around with an identity crisis trying to be good enough for God, and, and we're going we're gonna to misrepresent him to the world. But we want to represent him in a pure way. And in order to do that, we have to be good receivers of love and re- realize he is the most loving father that we could ever want. He is the father of lights. <clears throat> Another thing you could, you could find out in this verse is, uh, by what kind of a father is he? It says he, he um, the NIV says, he does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, God's not always changing his mind about you and me. Like, he's consistent. He's steady. He isn't changing his mind all the time. Like, some of you had, <laughs> some of you had fathers who were like, you weren't sure how they were going to react. Right? It was like, oh, I've got to tell them this bad thing. He might blow up. He might be calm. I don't know. He might be drunk. He might, whatever. Right? Father, so some of you are going to choke on this a little bit. In some regards, God is actually a little bit predictable. Because loving fathers are a little bit predictable. You know how they're going to react in situations. We have this word 
that makes God kind of predictable. We know his nature. He's not going to react in a way that's contrary to what this word says. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean we always know exactly what he's going to do. And he's creative. And, and you know, that, that, I'm not saying we always know what he's going to do. And he's, he's so much smarter than us, of course. He knows how to run our lives. But he is a, he's predictable in the sense he's not changing his mind about you. He's a loving father. He's a consistent father. Like, my kids don't wake up wondering if I love them. I don't think they do. <laughs> Maybe. Um, why? Because I, I, almost every day, I tell them, I love you to my kids, right? I communicate that through my words. I try to communicate that with my actions, right? When we, God is not fickle. He's not all over the board. He's not changing my, he's not, he's not changing his opinions about things in the world. He's a, he's a consistent, loving father, okay? My kids know that when they step out of line, like if they sass their mom, like I have a consistent policy, right? That you don't disrespect mama, you know? And within that is safety. It's like, okay, that's always not okay to step out of line because I'm being a consistent father. My, my um, discipline is even consistent, okay? God wanted a family. He wanted to display himself as a, as a father. He's a consistent father. He's not changing his mind about you. He made up his mind about you. When you do good, when you're doing bad, when you're whatever, he still loves you, okay? That's super important. We're the ones that do this, okay? This is us. This is God. He, he, he is pretty stable. He's slow to anger, right? Amen? Okay, he's the loving, most loving father you'll ever have. <clears throat> All right, let's put up those, those three points again at the end here. How to take ownership of shining in this world. Number one, turn on the light. You own it. Turn it on. You can turn it off. Wake up every morning, turn that light on. Number two, realize that light is tangible, it looks like something, okay? It's gonna involve the grace of God and the gift of God within you, all right? And number three, allow God to love you is so important. It's like those fountains that, you know, they fill up on the top, they overflow down, right? You know what I'm talking about? Am I, am I saying that well? Loving God first is the first priority. That's why this is a premier value of this church is that we wanna love God passionately. Our primary thrust isn't like to go do things, our primary thrust, thrust is to come together and to love God passionately because we know that will flow down to our identity and that will flow down to eventually shining a light in this world. Amen? Okay. Well, that's all I have for you today. Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray for you. And uh, on your way out, we have some fancy lights, reminders for you guys. I'm going to pray. And are you closing, Joy? Awesome. <laughs> So, Father, we thank you that you are the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. You're a consistent, loving Papa God. And I pray, God, I, I know that none of us have a perfect revelation of you, God. I know none of us do, Lord God. But I ask for an increase of our understanding of, of your divine love, your divine, um, your divine purpose for us, God, in our lives, Lord God. We come before you, and I thank you for every individual here, Lord God. I thank you for this church, that you have done a great thing among us, Lord. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, Lord God. We thank you that you've created a family here, Lord God, that you dwell by the power of your spirit, Lord God. And I just pray, increase, Lord God. Continue to lead us. Give us vision. We love you so much. And I bless everyone here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.